Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The Phineas Club is entirely supported by its listeners. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash the Phileas Club. Hey everyone, this is The Phineas Club, episode 114, The Social Media Sickness. Spoiler, we all have it. And welcome back to the Phineas Club. This is a show where we cover the news from the around the world in the only true way, in the truest possible way, meaning with people from around the world. So you get different opinions, different backgrounds, different cultures injected in your interpretation of the news you're listening to. In our global society, I say, sir or madam, this is the only way to do it. Uh, my name is Patrick Beja, and I am currently in Finland. I am French, um, so I get usually uh, a, a little bit of news from both countries that I can call home. Um, today I'm going to have some stuff exclusively from Finland, but pretty entertaining. And uh, we also have Matthias, who is back from Germany with depressing news. How are you doing, Matthias? That all depends. Do you want the American answer to that question or the European one? <laughs> because the sure. American one is, well, I'm great. How are you? <laughs> and the European one is usually you start talking about what's going on around you and then Tom Merritt is responding with, oh, so you're actually going to answer the question, huh? <laughs> so... Well, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll prefer the uh, American answer for now, and then we'll get into the European answer where you actually tell me how your country is slowly descending into chaos. Um, well, then I'm great. <laughs> excellent. And we have an actual American, although uh, she is from California, so I don't know if that qualifies. Allison is here with us as well. How's it going, Allison? <laughs> It's going great. Uh, yeah, I, I wonder if it's going to be possible to not be depressing. Maybe in a couple of years, you could have me back. <laughs> you know, I'm. We were talking about this a little bit before the show started. When before we started recording, and I, I honestly am having a hard time psychologically with this show. Not that I don't want to do it or anything, but there's I. A few, a couple of years ago, I was thinking this show is something important that I'm doing. You know, it's a small scale, it's a small context in my own little way. It's something that I think can help uh, uh, bring people together, if not understanding each other, at least talking. And the more things have progressed, the the less I'm sure that this is actually 
happening. And it's not just about it, on this show. We do have a, a, a lefty uh, majority, I think, but I, I really try uh, to get people with different opinions on the show. And I think to an extent we do succeed, but I don't know that we're succeeding in the, the, what I imagined the show's mission to be, which is basically fix the world. <laughs> um, can, can I challenge you on this, Patrick? Oh, uh, sure. You know, I am primarily a listener, and um, in in a little bit of a way, I feel like it's eating my vegetables. When I look at Phyllis, I'll be like, oh, I'm not, <laughs> I, I got I to gotta listen because it's good for me. But every single time I learn something about how things are perceived in other parts of the world and problems that are going on and and what's happening. And and I feel like I have a better understanding and better empathy for people because I, I'm, I'm walking a mile in their shoes for a little while. And that's something that, you know, being being from the United States, which is the center of the universe, we don't ever know that stuff. You know, mm. I, and I, I know I call attention to this one every time, but the, the one about Venezuela um, my impression of Colombia changed 180 degrees because of that show Venezuela. from, oh, they're just a bunch of drug lords to, wow, <laughs> they're a warm, compassionate people. And mm. if you can do that to our to our brains, to have us even for a little while understand what it's like to live somewhere else and see the view that isn't your own centric view. I think I think it's a wonderful thing. I'm getting all chilled just saying it. Oh, you're you're very kind and it does bring give me a, a little bit of hope. I think maybe this is a way uh, something that we can achieve on this show, but uh, uh, what I'm kind of hoping is that I don't know. I think maybe it doesn't work when it hits closer to home, because I don't think that anyone listening to this show, or maybe I'm wrong, tell me if, if it's not the case, but anyone listening to this show stopped listening and thought, oh, you know what? Actually, those dirty liberals, I get where they're coming from. Or, you know, those those crazy conservatives, I, I understand. And, you know, I'm taking the American example because it's, as in everything, the most extreme. But is this kind of the same in... In France, and maybe not in Finland. Actually, the Finns are uh, very reasonable people. Maybe it's because the threat is actually uh, next door. But it, I, I, I follow people that I disagree with on Twitter, including, let's talk about France for just a second, and some people that are very much on the, the left to, to a point that I think is unreasonable. And unreasonable, why did, do I even say that? Because I follow them on Twitter, and Every time the government does anything, and the government is center-right at the moment, um, they, you know, they, they poo on it like it was calling the apocalypse. Anything, anything. They never find anything, not even positive to say, just even remotely neutral. Um, and it's the same on the other side. It's not even, you know, the left or right, but it's the same on the other side. The, the people on the right, anytime the left does anything, and I, I say the people, I think those people have always been there. The super militant people uh, that, that are just shitting on stuff out of principle. But now with social media, we can hear them. And I think they're souring the, the discourse for everyone. And it's... It feels like it's similar in the U.S., but I would think I would have thought that you know, with with people we we have on the show and the discussions we have, I would start understanding the other side better and not feel that that uh, 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 you know reaction that oh my god, this is the worst thing that has ever happened. 
but I still do. And I am genuinely convinced, like it is true for me that some of the things that are happening are the worst thing that are that have ever happened. And and yet I when I when I reason about it, I understand it's not. I think it's bad, but there are degrees of bad, and, and these aren't maybe the worst things that have ever happened in the history of the world. Yet it feels so, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not being very coherent, but it's this sense of we're not progressing, we're not finding solutions to these issues. And if we don't find solutions, they're going to, you know, have a, <laughs> there you go, I'm, I was going to be super dramatic again, they're going to destroy us. And I think there's a danger of them actually destroying us because they destroy uh, discourse and and compromise, which are essential in societies. So, I, so Patrick, I, I think I understand what what the problem is here. You are setting yourself up for the Phileas Club has to solve all these problems. <laughs> well, <laughs> and and I'm not sure that it's going to happen that way. But just for I, I me, even just I, for me, you know. Well, but yeah. still, the problem with social media is that it's a distorted view. A very vocal minority can seem much larger and much yeah. more loud yeah. and everything. And I think that's something you need to take into account if you look outside and look for the, the opposite side of the aisle, so to speak, and uh, what they're saying. It's it's maybe not everyone. It's just a very vocal minority that's screaming and shouting, and they take up so much room in your the small world view. I mean, you have a limited view always, but still. You know, yeah. I... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Alison. I, I was just going to say, in the United States, I think we're all screaming and yelling. All of mm. us. <laughs> I don't think in that case, the things that are going on for us, I think it's every single person on both sides. Unless they're in a mixed marriage, in which case they aren't talking at all about it. <laughs> One or the other. <laughs> it's either screaming or not saying anything, basically. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I look, we can talk about Finland a little bit because I look at what the way it's happening here and it is so heartening. Um, it, it proves that it can exist. Even France is starting to be so polarized. And again, I think it's those people, it's not even about extreme, it's those, um, uh, how do you say entrance, uh, in French you say intransigeant, like you never accept, like you're unflinching in your dislike of something just because it is something. Um, and mm. let's be clear, I do honestly, genuinely think that objectively the current right side of uh, the US is worse than the left side. And I'm sure that some people will, will think, um, oh, well, this is your bias. I think there is a, a, a dishonesty, like an, a lack of genuine uh, uh, intent in making some arguments that is, I do think, a little bit worse on the right side than on the left. You know, it's that false equivalency. If there's 20% bad on one side and 80% bad on the other, the, the, the side that has 80% can point to the 20% and say, well, look, it's exactly the same. You do it too. Well, eh, not really. So I think we're kind of, maybe not 2080, but I think there is, uh, uh, to an extent, this issue in the US right now. And the example of, of Trump who is disingenuine in every possible way, I think uh, is, is an illustration of that. But the thing is, the people who support the current government do it in spite of Trump because they think he doesn't matter. 
and and it's just a means to an end. I mean, we're going to talk about uh, Kavanaugh, and and this is very clearly a means to an end, which I understand maybe because of this show and and most notably Tony, which we've had on, who helped me see if you do consider abortion to be a, a, a murder, if that's the way you look at it, then maybe the means justify the end. And it is important to get uh, that uh, Roe versus Wade decision reversed. So Trump doesn't really matter in that grand scheme of things. Um, so I understand how they could see it like that. But for me, it is... You know, the, the hell is paved with good intentions. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. I do think that it's uh, uh, intrinsically wrong. Like you're you're essentially selling your soul to achieve your goals. So, and I don't think the left does it as much. But that being said, I don't even remember my point. So maybe I'm going to launch into my story. I don't know what my point was. I think my point was um, the the few people that can't look critically at an issue and go to 11, that outrage meter that goes to 11. And I do think that there are people on both sides that do this. The thing is, it colors the other side's view of your side. If you have people on your side that scream bloody murder, that cry wolf, essentially, that cry fire in a um, uh, crowded theater every time anything happens then the people on the other side look at this and think, well, now I never know when someone is being reasonable. When something that my side is doing is genuinely a concern, I can't know it because you always cry wolf. And this is what hap- what's happening with me in France. The people on the other side of, of the government, which I think is uh, uh, the, the one that I thought was going to be a good government. Uh, obviously, they're making mistakes. Not everything is perfect. But I follow those people that I think are a little bit extreme, former, uh, and it's not radio hosts, you know, it's, it's former uh, elected people, like political personalities. And, and I, I read every day, like three or four tweets that are being that that are declaring the end of modern uh, of the modern age. And I'm like, well, how can I how can I make you know I I should be able to trust you to the to be the guardian of what's acceptable and what's not. If nothing is acceptable, I don't think you're being reasonable. So maybe the solution is to not follow those people and and find people in, in on the other side that are a little bit reasonable and listen to them. But I, I was I about don't. to say mm. for me, I stopped following almost any politician because I couldn't bear those those tweets and stands and <laughs> those. Uh, my party is the only party, and we are the best. And this this, this uh, bickering and everything. I just stopped following basically every politician and just. Uh, be done with that. But if, if there aren't any good politicians, then it does mean that, you know, the people who voted for Trump because F everything are right. You know, no, no, I, I'm not I'm not saying there are not mm. good politicians. I just don't like the social media behavior or their mm. communication behavior. There's uh, proud stands and stuff like that. They're yeah. promoting of their own agenda that, yeah. or, or the way they go about it. Not that they are bad people per se. Yeah, Just, uh, let me let me back up, Matthias, on that. Um, there's a senator in in my state who I completely resonate with. I agree with everything he says, and he tweets like I do, and I mm. expect more from him, right? I mm. mean, he's inflammatory. He's all, nee, 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 nee. you know, he's just he's just ridiculous. And I I mean, we've actually corresponded with him in writing in paper, and he was very reasonable. But the way he tweets, it's like like he's 14. 
<laughs> so that's you know, the social media uh, yeah. sickness yeah. or something. Yeah. It's the I social mean, media just... sickness, I, I like it. I like that. I think this might be the, the episode's title. It's, you know, <laughs> Leo Laporte keeps saying it's it's Twitter that is poisoning uh, our, our society. And he points to Twitter. I think, you know, it might also have to do with the fact that Facebook Twit is and Twitter is, 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 you know, I think they're even... Well, he also gets or something, but he gets a lot of hate stuff. So yeah, but I mean, it's maybe it's how did you call it the social disease, the social media, social media sickness, sickness. Or yeah. So maybe it is. Maybe it is social media poisoning our society. Do you see that uh, Twitter has uh, uh, modified their policy to much more? Well, we'll see if they do it, but uh, be much more controlling of what is said on their platform. Well. Yeah, was there, was there something about harmful language? Yes. They want to censor harmful language. Dehumanizing, and, uh, dehumanizing language. It's yeah, a little bit more precise. But, right. yeah. And uh, Matthew Ingram commented, uh, well, good luck with that. Yeah, so. <laughs> basically, get get ready to hire the entirety of China as your social media. I, I meant about the numbers, not about the, <laughs> the policies, but uh, to, to regulate this because it's, I mean, maybe it's not possible to do it for everyone, but for the important people. And it's. I think we need that. I didn't think we did, but I do think we do now. Um, I think we need to say and to decide as a society, and it is arbitrary, what is acceptable to say at some point. And, and some people are going to cry about free speech, which we know is not, you know, I think there is merit to the idea that we shouldn't regulate what everyone says in theory, but we're seeing that this is, you know, the social media sickness. We, if we let people do whatever they want in the street, then they will do bad things. This is why we have a socialized police, socialized uh, police force. This is actually, I'm playing, I'm being playful saying it's socialized police because people cry about socialized medicine, but they don't about what is effectively socialized police, socialized military, and a whole bunch of socialized things. So we do have socialized police, which end the laws, decide what we can and can't say. And of course, there aren't any laws, but there are basically laws of decency. And anyway, all right, let's move on to, <laughs> it's very dangerous, I know, to say social media companies can decide what is decent and what isn't. But I think at this point, we're getting to a point where, yeah, it is some kind of a sickness and we have to do something about it. Finland, um, there is something really funny or <laughs> in the... Uh, uh, light of what I've been talking about, about the extremes in and grandstanding in politics, something really interesting happened in, in uh, Finland just this past week um, involving Russia. Um, so what's been happening is that there is a Russian company, uh, I think it's real estate company, that has been buying uh, i'm saying russian i think the the board has russian members uh, i think it is mostly russian nationals uh, they've been buying property on the archipelago of turku which is uh, maybe the second biggest town in the country and has a big archipelago which is close to um shipping lanes and basically strategically important um uh, location and they've been buying uh Islands in that archipelago, it's very common. There are small islands that 
sometimes it's not everyone, of course, but it's not uncommon for someone or a company to own one of those islands. There are hundreds, maybe thousands in the in the country, probably thousands. Um, so they've been buying islands and properties in that archipelago that are strategically important. Um, they're important because of shipping lanes and because of um, uh, uh, communications towers and masts and things like that. And this week, the NBI, the National Bureau of, In of Investigation, <laughs> very funny name, but you know, that's the, it's essentially the FBI for Finland, has raided those uh, offices. And there were so many that uh, they, they required the help of the actual army, like they had army uh, uh, military people uh, going into the islands and the offices to make sure they seized everything and um, uh, got to interrogate the right people. And obviously, this was a massive story. And it was a... Um, <clears throat> it, it, the way it was reported is was what is interesting. Because all of the media is reporting on this as... Uh, the official line is... This is an issue about money laundering and tax evasion. And this is the way the story is being presented by the government. This is the, the way the story is being presented by most media. But obviously, when you think of it as, you know, when the facts are presented, the conclusions are kind of uh, uh, being shown as the ones that the government is presenting. Um, so, but when you look at the facts, it's absolutely fair to assume that tax evasion is not the only issue uh, at play here. Um, obviously, the memories of, well, the entire history of, of Russia, but also in more recent times, Georgia and uh, the Ukraine are very present in the Finnish population. Um, everyone, that's why uh, essentially social um, uh, healthcare has been, uh, has known cuts in the past couple of years to buy uh, planes, uh, you know, fighter planes and uh, prop up the military defense. Uh, obviously, they don't say it like that, but this is pretty much what's been happening because we understand that Russia is becoming quite dangerous again. And Finland has a very tough job of pleasing Russia while carrying a big stick. And they have to make it as difficult as possible for Russia to meddle that they won't bother, while at the same time keeping super cordial and friendly relationships with them. And the, the Finns are masters at this. They are incredible at managing this relationship and and the Finnish president currently is has been re-elected with huge uh, uh like almost uh, dict dictatorship numbers I think he got 80 percent maybe less I can't remember but um because he was so good at this and so I'm getting to the point here what's really interesting is that they are presenting it in that way and not really saying we're worried that, you know, they might have used this as uh, advanced bases, bases in case they wanted to cause trouble in Finland or in case there was some kind of military operation happening. And it might be that Putin himself knows nothing about any of this. It's, you know, someone under who the Russian administration is kind of, <laughs> you know, very peculiar, but... 
the 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 way it's presented is completely civil like civil in the sense that it would be a civil matter not a military one but what's really interesting is that everyone understands what it means and no one really says it why because you can't open a uh, a, a a real issue with russia you can't openly defy uh, Russia, because if they really don't like you, they're going to cause trouble. Maybe not necessarily um, send their troops, but there was a story a few years ago where someone in, in Finland has said something that the Russians didn't like, and they did something which was drive uh, Afghan and Syrian refugees to the border, put them in cars, and get them to cross over. And then they were in Finland, and Finland, which is notoriously terrible at taking in refugees, and it, like, shamefully terrible, had to deal with them. It was maybe a few thousand, but they could drive 50,000 refugees within a few weeks, and there's nothing you can do because the border is so large. So they could cause real trouble for the country. Um, and so you don't want to piss them off. But Everyone understands what that means. Even the press kind of hints at... So the way it was presented on, on um, the official media um, was, this is what's happening. This company with Russians on their board has these properties. The military ha and, and the NBI has uh, launched an inquiry. It seems to be... Um, this and that issue of money laundering and uh, tax evasion. And we even have an expert, like they acknowledge the question, we have an expert, a military expert that says, well, if they wanted to survey shipping lanes, they could do it from a boat. Or if they wanted to uh, destroy some things, they could send ballistic missiles. So it's not really, it's probably not that that big of a deal mili militarily, uh, militarily <laughs> uh, from a military standpoint. And at the very end, the very end, you have two lines that say, but the president has announced that they would be taking measures and uh, votes to make sure that this cannot happen again, essentially barring certain nationals from purchasing property without government approval. And that's like the end. And, and you, you know, like it's going to be passed in November. It, legislation is going to be passed within two months two months, something is happening. And I think everyone understands it. And no one is openly causing trouble because you know that um, Russia, if it were to become a, a domestic incident, it would be a real problem. So some newspapers are saying, ah, oh, well, we have a source in the military that is saying, we've been following that story very closely for a number of years now. So it's hinted at, but nothing that can cause official trouble. And I think this is really enlightening because this is a brilliant example of how you actually do politics when you want to get things done, when you want to manage problems. Uh, it's super subtle, it's masterful, and this is something Finland has been doing for, you know, <laughs> since the war and maybe even before that, um, with the exception of when Russia was in disarray after the fall of the wall. But it's just super fascinating and uh, it's kind of heartening, as I was saying, that politicians matter and politicians have a tough job. And you might think 
well, this is Finland and they're good, but in our country, they're crap. They're not. They are not. It's difficult to be in charge of large administrations. And there are jobs that only you can do and you get spit in your face by people who think everyone is crap. But this is an example of good governance and good management. And I think it should be celebrated. Uh, not too loud, though, because we can't let the Russians hear it. How about we agree on some of them are bad, but not all of them? Of course. Yeah, no, I agree. I, you know, I don't have a problem with saying some politicians are bad. I, I have a problem with saying politicians are crap because then it, it kind of uh, enables you to vote for just anyone, as we've seen in, in... This is a modus operandi for the people who want to sell you the bad stuff. They're like, everyone is crap, so don't trust anyone. Like, it's the same with the journalists. They're all bad. They're all corrupt. We've seen this in France. Like, oh, they're all, you know, sold to the big capital interests. So don't trust any of them. And of course, we have very good investigative uh, journalists in France that do a great job. But if you don't trust anyone, then the people who have something to hide have less to worry about because you don't trust the journalists who are investigating on this anyway. Um, so it's the same with politicians. Of course, some of them are bad but not all of them. Anyway. Yeah, well, it's good to once in a while say something positive, right? Yeah, <laughs> we try. Um, all right, I guess there isn't a lot to add on, on this one. Um, so I'll, I'll very quickly go over another one, which is super fun. Um, there's basically lots of student associations in Finland, and uh, this is common in many countries. One of them is for a um, local tech, uh, um, not institute, but university. And the, the, they have a very noble goal. Like, again, I think this is something we can all look forward to no matter where we are on the, not look forward to, but look up to no matter where we are on the political spectrum. Um, they have declared for themselves that the, the very heavy task of they're called the technological technology students sobriety association so obviously their goal is uh, um, sobriety and fighting uh, the the alcohol abuse and they go about it in a very clever way very finnish uh finnish way which i don't think many people would think of doing which is they uh, attempt to rid the world of alcohol by drinking all of it themselves. They essentially <laughs> sacrifice themselves um, to to help others. This is very give, common. Give, give. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's all for the common good. And the thing is, there was in their neighborhood an alcohol which is one of the official uh, there's they had there's a government monopoly on alcohol and it's they have alcohol shops where they sell alcohol and they was one that was going to open in the neighborhood of their university obviously this was unacceptable to them you know it was an affront to their mission in in society so they decided it was in august at some point to it, it's a large store it's like they sell a lot of alcohol so they decided to make it their mission in one day to drink all of the alcohol from that store um, to help the neighborhood. And that was front page news on Helsinki Sanomat, which is one of the main newspapers, um, with live video of the event. Uh, and I mean, 
unfortunately, they didn't succeed. There were just too much. But it was admittedly in a slow news day and week because it was the middle of summer, but it made front page news. And uh, it was a great, great undertaking, which I'm sad they didn't succeed at. So <laughs> that was a funny one. Can I leave, have a Patreon or something to finance this undertaking? <laughs> well, uh, I don't think so. I think, you know, it's just uh, they do it out of the kindness of their own heart. They don't have... Uh, um, they don't want to take your money for it. Um, but yeah, so that was, I mean, the Finns drink a lot. They are, <laughs> although in, in recent uh, years, things have been going worse or better, according to what you believe, because kids drink less because they're at home playing video games. Uh, this is like official studies that find uh, alcohol consumption and cigarette consumption actually is down because the kids are at home playing games. So yay video games. All right, enough good news, enough fun, uh, positive things. Allison. Now we get to the depressing part. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you tell us what's happening in the U.S.? Well, I've been trying to think of a positive way to spin this. I mean, uh, yay, a dangerous pedophile is behind bars, or uh, what's going on with Brett Kavanaugh? Uh, I'm sure everybody's heard by now that Bill Cosby is uh, behind bars. Who is? Bill Cosby. Oh, right, was, right, right. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So anyway, that was just a, just a flippant remark there. But um, so he yeah, did go to prison. I had to prison. I didn't follow the. Yeah. How... Just yesterday, he was mm. sentenced to three to 10 years in prison. OK. And specifically labeled as a dangerous pedophile, uh, which may a dangerous sex offender, which means he has to register if, if and when he ever does get out, uh, he will if he he's 81 years old. But if he gets out, he will have to be a registered sex offender so so he was he slept just, with underage uh girls oh, I, he uh i believe it was 60 women came forward about things that he would do one of the specific things what he was convicted of was that he was drugging women oh and uh and and having sex with them and so it was it was only one case that was actually proven but there were 60 women that uh, accused him of something or other so okay uh yeah so anyway, that's not the depressing news I was getting. That's the good news. <laughs> Dangerous pedophile off the streets. That's good. And not pedophile. I'm sorry. I keep saying pedophile. That's right. Why yeah, that's that. why. Dangerous sex offender um, okay, okay. off the streets. So see, I did have optimistic news. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to talk about um, Kavanaugh, who is up for a seat on the Supreme Court. And I, I am not a scholar of our judicial system, but we've kind of been forced to learn more about it than we ever expected to, I think, uh, under the current administration. So this is a seat that is lifetime, lifetime appointment. And uh, some of the some of the background is that um, the uh, the position was open under Obama and through some mysterious means that that position was never filled on when the Democrats were in charge. And so the Republicans get to pick the person. So uh, it was, it's didn't been, they I, didn't they refuse to vote? Yeah, it was a thing. Yeah. I, I don't want to dwell on that, but okay, there was a thing. Right. And so they, they managed to delay this for a year. But now it is incredibly urgent that we get it done right now, right now, right now. It has to be done right now. So at the 11th hour, um, uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein, one of my senators, uh, came forward with a letter of a woman um, uh, named uh, Christi uh, Professor Christine Blasey Ford, who said that uh, Kavanaugh attempted to rape her when she was in, um, I think it was in high school. And 
that that kind of started some interesting interesting dialogue and the democrats of course wanted to delay this this guy from being uh confirmed or having a vote on it and it's been real interesting to see what the reactions to this have been uh so i'm kind of going to get into the reactions more than anything else <clears throat> excuse me um but since then a woman named deborah ramirez was who was a classmate of his at uh at yale uh, said that Kavanaugh exposed himself to her. She was drunk, um, very drunk, apparently, when he did this. And uh, he exposed himself to her and shoved his genitals in her face. And she was she pushed him away and ended up touching him as a result. And uh, so these these two accusations are out there. Um, the, the odd thing is uh, that um, Senator Feinstein n- had this letter from Professor Ford in this, uh, quite a few months ago and didn't bring it forward until it looked like Kavanaugh was probably going to get um, get not get uh, confirmed. So from the Republican perspective, it's like, well, OK, this is just political. That's all you're doing is political. You waited until the last minute. Mm. Um, but there's but there's been other reactions to this. I mean, according to the to uh, Diane Feinstein, uh, Dr. Ford didn't want to come forward didn't want to talk about this, wanted to be anonymous and 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 tried not to have this be a giant political thing. Uh, but when it looked like he was going to be confirmed, she felt it was, you know, Diane Feinstein convinced her to come forward. So, you know, there's a couple of perspectives, but there's a lot of people saying, well, why didn't she just go to the police back then? Why is she doing it right now? And you've had women on your show and the uh, Me Too movement explaining why exactly we don't do that when that ha- things happen. Yeah, I, I think I, I'll, I will say, sorry to interrupt, but I hope that the audience understands why uh, some women could be deterred from doing it. I really hope so. If you if you don't understand this, I think there is uh, uh, more to be understood about it. I mean, the the special on, on being a woman that we did a few months ago could be one of the ways to understand a little bit more and have a bit more empathy with this, this issue. But let's assume that people understand, yes, you might not want to plunge your life in disarray uh, and be intimidated and and be scared about yeah, about well, doing it. Pro- Professor Ford uh, has had to move her family because she's been getting death threats since this. So just in case you think this isn't is something you would enter into lightly, um, mm. that's part of it. Um, but since then, uh, Deborah Ramirez, who was uh, the Yale classmate, has come forward. And the the interesting thing is that uh, the um, Professor Ford wants there to be an FBI investigation into her allegations, wants to testify to the FBI, which if you uh, have false statements to the FBI, you go to prison. I mean, it's it's illegal to do that. That is a that's a, a big offense. And uh, the Republicans don't want there to be an FBI investigation. They're like, no, the FBI never does that. And, and I, I believe I may be getting this slightly wrong. I believe it's actually the president who may have to authorize that at least, uh, but it may be this judicial committee. I'm not exactly clear on exactly who has to do that, but they don't want there to be an investigation. They want to go right now. And the reason they want to go right now is because our midterm elections are coming up in November and there seems to be a reasonable possibility that the Democrats will take back control of the Senate, the House or both. And so they want to get this guy in now because he is very, very conservative. So um, but what I thought was most interesting about this is that is these conversations about um, a lot of people uh, on the on the conservative side are saying, why didn't this woman come forward earlier? Uh, Or worse yet, they're saying, 
Well, you know, he was in high school. He was just drunk. You know, he did this. You know, come on, boys will be boys kind of an attitude. And um, there's an article in the New York Times where they interviewed a bunch of high school students on what they thought about that reaction to what's going on. And it's it's a fascinating read because these these kids are saying the best quote in the article was for me and my friends. His past is now. Are you telling me that it's okay? Is it is it okay if I just you know I'm just gonna get drunk? I might try to rape a girl. It's not that big of a deal, you know. Just you know, I'm in high school, and and they're saying you know that's not the way our parents are talking to us. They're saying what we do now matters a lot, and that it's crucial to our our, our who we are as humans. So how can you look back at this guy and say oh it doesn't matter what he did when he was in high school? That was a long time ago. It was like 35 years ago. Hmm. You know, I'm really conflicted. Uh, surprisingly, maybe because. When I look at it from afar, how old is he? How old is Kavanaugh? Um, I don't remember. He's not that old, though. I mean, he'll be on the Supreme Court for 30 years, probably. I mean, it could right. be a very long time. But see, he's 53 years old. So high okay. school was 40 years ago, right? Okay. Um, 35. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't want to say that it's not that... I don't know. <laughs> it's you attempted know, is rape. It, it's, attempted yes. rape. Just attempted put that at the rape. front of your, your sentence and now try to say the rest of what you were trying to say. <laughs> so what I'm, I want to say is that I understand that it feels like political shenanigans. Um, obviously. And it is. It is. Well, I mean, if, if he is actually... It, is there no prescription on rape? I guess not when you're being elected to the... What does prescription mean? Oh, sorry, sorry. It's in French. Uh, meaning a crime, can you can't be convicted for a crime after a certain amount of time has passed. Obviously for murder, Correct. there isn't. Um, Correct. But Correct. Statute it's, they of call limitation. it a statute oh, limitation. Right. Thank right. you. Thank you. Um, yeah. I guess maybe yeah, for so rape, this there is isn't not a either. criminal... This is not any kind of criminal charge right now. Mm, but yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it's, it's, its meaning in this context is the... Um, is the the moral fiber of the human that is going to be judging everybody else, mm, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you yeah. got to be above everything. I mean, I would hate to have this kind of investigation into me. I'm just saying. Mm. But I'm also not trying to be a judge of the right and wrong in the United States. Also for a lifetime. Appointee, for a lifetime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I mean, exactly. was the the previous appointee, which uh, the, the former... Uh, uh, parliament refused to vote on the the basically the um, Democrat appointee mm-hmm. was a woman. I think did she have I, similar? I don't remember anything about her. Okay, I, I'm, I'm just wondering. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just paying, wondering I'm if becoming... the if the the Republicans had similar things to say about her. Um, I, I I mean, obviously, if it's if it's true, which it I'm inclined to know. think that we don't know. On paper, I understand we shouldn't doubt women coming forward about uh, these kinds of allegations. But on paper, it's not proven yet. Correct. But if Correct. you launch an investigation, then it's very possible that the uh, time will pass and that the elections, the midterms, will make this appointment impossible. Which Correct. I understand is 
a problem for people who are leaning Republican. They are thinking, well, you know, they, we understand, but no. On the other hand, it's kind of difficult to make this point when you delayed the other nomination for a year, the Democrats' nominations for a year. Um, and that's why I was asking, do they have similar things to say about her? Or, you know, were they saying she shouldn't be elected, not just because we don't like her, but because the, the, her character is in question? Um, yeah, I, 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 think, I don't you know, think that was the case. Okay. I, you know, sorry, go ahead, Matthias. I, I think I it was me. I, I'm oh, just, I'm, I'm just, the conclusion I'm coming to here is as impossible as it might seem, I think the Supreme Court should have someone uh, elected to it that is elected with both and this is a problem, the both parties thing. We're not going to go back into the two-party system, which is the seriously the core and source of all evil in the U.S. I honestly genuinely <laughs> okay, okay. think so. Okay, okay, don't go back into that, though. What were you going to say? <laughs> I was going to say, I think it should be a, a clean vote. I think it shouldn't... Yeah, yeah, I think it should be the late. The, the other I'm, thing is, as, he, as, his... Yeah. From the uh, from the public's perspective, he has the lowest approval of any candidate for the Supreme Court in the history of polls. So he's I mean, if it were a popular vote now, one of the other interesting things um, they're going to they're going to bring uh, Dr. Ford in. By the way, it bugs the daylights out of me that when they refer to Christine Blasey Ford, they don't say Dr. Ford, but they always say Judge Kavanaugh, Dr. Ford, when they bring her in. Um, they they want to question her. They're going to question her, right? And that is going to happen. So she's going to get questioned on Thursday. I think it's Thursday. And so is Kavanaugh. But the problem is the Republicans don't have any women on the judicial committee. It's all it's all men. I think there there's one Hispanic guy and all white men other than that. And so they can't be seen as a bunch of white old fat white men, sorry, you know, badgering this woman about something that happened to her. So they went to get somebody from the outside who was a woman to question her. And that's really, really unusual, too. So, mm. I mean, they just they just look terrible in this. And like you say, it's hypocritical what they're doing. They had a long time. I mean, how long has President Trump been or Trump been president? I mean, it's been like 48 years is what it feels like. All <laughs> that time, you couldn't have been coming up with this appointee. You couldn't have done this much farther away from the midterm elections. So you so, kind of picked the timing too, yeah. right? I guess, yeah. But it's also it's interesting that he's the only candidate they have on their short list. I mean, of course, they t take someone who is um, relatively young because they want to uh, to hold, um, hold the seat for a long time. I know, but uh, yeah. still, w why don't they have anyone else on their list who is maybe a little bit more uh, has a more of a clean West? I don't know how to. Well, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure it's Pray. very it's very difficult to find someone uh, that fits all of the. The and, and the well, thing is, you can, you can do better than the worst. So. To to well, I don't know that he's the worst. Uh, to, no, no, no. To, By the polls, he he has mm. the lowest approval rating of any candidate yeah. in the history of time. So, I will say, so, yes, yeah, he is the worst. I will say that no matter who is nominated, who is considered, some crap will come up. And oh, yeah. this is bad crap, but some crap will always come up. Like none of us, none of us is 100% clean. Uh, hopefully not every one of us has attempted rape on their <laughs> rap sheet, mm -hmm. um, but none of us is 100% clean. So I understand the feeling of, well, there will be um, 
there will be something that will make it seem like he shouldn't be or she shouldn't be uh, elected. However, again, I think, and I don't know if I can convince anyone on the Republican side, but I really think from the outside, it seems like this is too important to elect someone that has this big a rock in their shoe. Like, it's a lifetime appointment. As you were saying, he's going to be there for 30 years. He's going to decide everything about how Americans act. It's not even whether or not he's uh, he is clean or not. It's about everyone should agree, not everyone, but a majority should actually agree we should get this guy in. And, and you know, maybe I'm, I'm kind of the majority of the elected representatives of the United States are apparently thinking... Yes, he should be in. So it is a democratic and and uh, reli- maybe not reliable, but uh, dependable process. He is being voted in by the elected representatives of the U.S. Um, I don't know. I keep going back and forth. Uh, maybe it well, is inviting. This is, gonna, this is likely to get very uh, a little bit more interesting. So let me throw in uh, the next piece that is supposed to drop. Um, I believe it'll be today. Oh, it's um, not over? You, <laughs> okay. Oh, no, no, no. This is getting more interesting. So uh, do you remember the porn star Stormy Daniels that said that uh, she was paid off by Michael Cohn to uh, not talk about the fact that she had an affair with Donald Trump? Mm-hmm. And then Michael Cohn was convicted and it, it all came out that he actually had paid Stormy Daniels this money on behalf, in behalf of the president. So the lawyer for Stormy Daniels is a guy named Michael Avenatti. And Michael Avenatti is uh, probably one of the most self-serving humans I've ever observed in my life. I mean, you could tell when he was on the air talking about Stormy Daniels that it was all about me, 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 look at me, my name, here's my name, this is me, I'm, I'm, I'm Michael Avenatti. Mm. Well, he says he has another woman who um, says that Kavanaugh abused her in the same way that um, uh, Ramirez was, that was the woman in college at, at Yale that was was drunk and and uh, he exposed himself to her that that she claims. So she he says that it, uh, the day before yesterday, he said in the next 48 hours, I will come forward with this woman. And so he's being very theatrical about it because the, the vote is tomorrow. And he says he said that in the next 48 hours, he was going to come out with her uh, with her. And that there was a um, at this school he was at, I believe this is in college at this this school he was at, that they actually had a a group of boys who would target a specific woman, get her drunk and then gang rape her. That's what he claims he's going to come forward with today. Um, And and one of the things I wanted to say back to the the conversation about doing an FBI investigation is what fascinates me is um, I worked in a large company, a 60,000 person company, and uh, a woman who worked for me said that this guy had sexually harassed her. And when I told Human Resources, it immediately launched an investigation into this guy. And, And the two things they said they look for is persistent and pervasive. So persistent, meaning just badgering the same woman over or or man over and over and over and over and over again to to go out with them, have sex with them, whatever the the thing they're doing to them is. But the other thing is pervasive, how many different women or how many different men got harassed by this person. And so the the fact that that the, the Republicans don't want to investigate to see if it's persistent or pervasive 
is is unsettling to me that that we spent weeks and weeks and weeks doing that in a little you know in a company where it wasn't a lifetime freaking appointment. This well, guy was I mean, a, a low level employee. Why would well, you not want to investigate that? Because obviously they they might lose the majority in the what is it house or well, yeah yeah they yeah. well yeah, yeah, they yeah do I mean, have a bit of motivation right exactly exactly and I think as horrible as it sounds it's not you know, from their point of view, unreasonable to say, dude, if we launch this investigation, it's, it's, it, we might not be able to get him elected. And then we lose the 30 years of decisions at the, uh, well, yeah. you know. Um, then they should yeah. have started sooner. <laughs> well. They, they had like a year and a half. I mean, come on. Also, I can't believe that they didn't know about this. I mean, the candidates are vetted over and over and over again, and there's a short list, and then the vetting processes again and stuff like that. that they Maybe, must have known know about Maybe, this. She, oh, all right, she I'll, told say anybody I'll say publicly. it. I'll say it. Maybe it's not true. Th th this is, I, I don't think it's not true, but we should uh, acknowledge the however remote possibility that it's not true and that this is yeah. a soulless uh, uh, plan by the, well, soulless. They think they're safeguarding, uh, you know, the sanctity Vanity. of the of the uh, uh, Supreme Court. But maybe it's not true. It's possible. Yeah. And, and, and that's why you look for persistent and pervasive. That's why you do an investigation. Yeah, so but the investi if, if, if the so investigation maybe... starts, then the Republicans have lost already because they might lose the, the House. It doesn't right, matter. If had, that, they could have been investigating for the last week and a half. I don't the think you're going to find stuff in save us, week and a half. The, the thing I think is going to save stuff is as everybody's been flailing their hands saying we need an FBI investigation, how many reporters do you think are looking for more examples mm. right now? All of them. Yeah. Right? And, and, and that's yeah. why the, the Ramirez one was interesting was it was actually the New Yorker who found this woman. So it isn't there isn't a formal investigation going on. But I guarantee you there's people everywhere turning over every rock looking for something he did that was, you know, would be inflammatory. And they're not finding we, that's a scoop. And they're not finding a lot immediately, it seems. Well, no, 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 no. You don't know that. Michael Avenatti. Everybody thought he was a crazy whack job, you know, supporting a, a, a porn star. And and he you know had what? The goods. Well, he doesn't have them yet. And if it turns out yeah. it's a phony right. story, who does it serve? The Republican Party, because then right. anyone else who comes out and says, "Hey, I'm uh, I'm I have someone," is not, you know, uh, is not going to be believed. So I don't know. Uh, the most baffling yeah. thing, though, in all of this, is the kind of defense he's putting up now. Because I, I mean. Uh, of course, if you have those allegations, you don't know how to react. But uh, he came forward with this crazy, well, I still have my calendar from 9085 or something. And this proves that I can't be the one because I wasn't there and there's no entry for the party or something like those those oh. arguments. If you I mean, uh, the common guy on the street, if you confront him with something like that, he might react that way. But you wouldn't expect a judge why or a Supreme Court judge to react Why? like that, and, and because if that's he has, not if he has his no, but if he has his calendar, and you can, you know, it can be reasonably uh, looked at, and you can see if it's completely ridiculous or if it actually could be a calendar from uh, that time. And, and what and, does that prove? 
He did, maybe he didn't in, uh, made an entry. Didn't how, make an entry how can he prove it? It's, how can he prove it? Yeah, it's, it's the, trying to prove a negative is the yeah, problem. It, the only thing that can happen is if many more women come out, I think on one woman or two, it can be, it could conceivably be a plot. If many more women come out, then you start thinking, yeah, you know, this is becoming a lot. <laughs> I know, well, I know, that, Alison, but I'm trying to look at that we have to have a number of how many, how I many know. women before it's well, true. Well, you said it yourself, pervasive and, and, um, persistent and persistent. It, it's, right. it seems unlikely that someone like that, if it's an actual character flaw, it seems unlikely that he would have, you know, done it once, right? It would be, it would be right. something at least exposing himself. It would be something that he would have done a few times at least, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm really trying to... We live to, in interesting times, Patrick. Let's put it like that. And, and just for the record, I stand by my, by my uh, assessment earlier that... As difficult, as, as impossible as it seems, it should be someone that is agreed upon by, you know, both parties. And this does mean both parties should... It's incredible that both parties can't get along on anything. And this is not a good, an effective way of running a country. And it is reflected in the population. I'm not someone who says, oh, the, the politicians are crap. The politicians are a reflection of their population. I genuinely believe that. So the change starts with us. So I don't know what that means. Matthias, uh, do you have any more depressing news for us? Of course, we have lots uh, so, of depressing news. Actually, actually, I did want to let Alison have the last word because it's, you know, is there anything you want to <laughs> conclude with? Uh, not really. I, I just, um, I think it is interesting. I, I heard somebody say on a, uh, I, I think it was Baratunde said on a show that he thinks it's fantastic that Donald Trump was elected because it has forced Americans to look at, at how we do make these policies, how our government works. I know so much more. I mean, I, I knew there was a Supreme Court. <laughs> before before Trump was president, but I never I never check these things. You've you've had Bart Bouchats on your show from Ireland. Bart absolutely positively knows more about American politics and how our government works than I do because <laughs> I just didn't care. But you have to care now. You have to because it's it's hmm. it's all messed up. Also, yeah. it's a but good I, con constitutional stress test for your checks and, bal checks and balances. I mean, yes, if you have it, a it guy like Trump is. in office, you see if those checks and balances actually work. Or not? Yeah, well, let me, world... let me give a recommendation on a on a fabulous podcast. There's a podcast called uh, Con Law, and it, the premise is uh, what President Trump is teaching us about the Constitution. So there's a constitutional lawyer uh, professor, law professor, who's talking to another guy. Uh, she's she's teaching him about the Constitution. So they take something ridiculous that Trump did, and then they say, "What does the Constitution tell us about that thing?" And it's it's a fascinating show. I just wish it came out more often. That's how good it is. How, how's it called again? Con Law. Con Law. I believe okay. it, yeah, I believe it's one of the NPR podcasts. But it, it's just spectacular. And sadly, almost all the time it goes, nope, Constitution doesn't say you can't do that. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> which is depressing. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll include the name in the show notes. So if you, if you want to. I can to. find you a link to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, is it Trump con law or con yeah, law? Yeah, probably 
possibly Trump con law. Trump con law, a, a show about yes. constitutional law with Elizabeth Jaw and uh, Roman, Roman Mars. Mars. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Spectacular. Trump con law. There you go. Trumpconlaw.com. Uh, okay. Well, I am uh, suitably depressed. Matthias, uh, will you add to my... We can make my... it worse. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> no, but uh, I was actually sure that uh, Alison would at least mention that her president uh, talked to the UN Assembly the other day. So <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> tell everybody about that. That's you a good story. That's... No, it, it's just I, I haven't. I, I it was too depressing, and uh, I don't know if there is an uh, English word for that. But in German, we have this word "fremdschämen," so you are embarrassed by someone else's behavior, and mm. uh, that's the feeling I always have if I listen to Trump speak. So I can't manage to get through a whole speech of him without just turning it off because it's too much for me. But uh, I saw some uh, little. Uh, tidbits out of it and uh, when the whole UN assembly just started to laugh at him because he was praising his uh, uh, his administration as the most successful and uh, productive one in history and uh, then he started to um, uh, to uh, shame all different countries and the only one he was praising was uh, Kim Jong Il no Kim Jong Un in un, in, un, which un. is the current one? Un, okay. Uh, and he was the only one, the, uh, the North Korean dictator was the only one he was praising. Everyone else he was insulting. And uh, there was actually a, a nice um, a video clip about when he was attacking Germany on energy again. And the German delegation is just sitting there laughing and shaking their head in disbelief because they can't believe what they're about to hear from him. But on the other hand, it's maybe just laughing because the alternative would be to cry, to hear a U.S. president standing in front of there talking like that. So, Yeah, it Although, is. Uh, the the um, bottom line for me is that uh, isolationism is back big time for the U.S. It feels like we're in the 1920s again, like fascists are on the rise everywhere, Nazis are getting stronger and feel safe to openly march on the street, and the U.S. is withdrawing themselves into their little snail house and pretend that everything around them doesn't concern them. So that's the, the image that he is portraying. The only well, difference is this I, time they won't emerge as an economic superpower afterwards. That's the only difference for me. So, Yeah, I think this is, I mean, it is indeed isolationism and nationalism in the sense that they want to rely only on themselves. I think it's a mistake just as it was for, and it is for, uh, the UK with Brexit, which they're not, there was a funny image uh, going around which exemplifies exactly what it is. Um, the it was basically a fake tweet from Theresa May saying, "Hey uh, Sony, I want to uh, interrupt my PlayStation Plus subscription, but I want to keep receiving the games from the subscription. And you're not proposing anything that makes sense to me. This is unacceptable. I want a good compromise. And this is essentially what the UK is asking of the EU um, with Brexit. But I mean, that was just a funny thing. But." Speaking I of think... funny things, did you see the uh, Donald Tusk Instagram per, uh, post? The what? Where he was 
there, there was this uh, conference in Salzburg with uh, the European leaders and uh, Theresa May and Donald Tusk uh, had a, a picture on his Instagram pro, uh, account uh, where he was, uh, I don't know, offering Theresa May a, a piece of cake or something. And uh, a, a line underneath was, uh, well, do you want some cake? But there's no cherry picking. <laughs> and uh, the other one was where he was angrily or grumpily eating some ice cream. And the, the, the bottom line was um, cooling off after a hot Brexit negotiation or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah. I mean, but my point was going to be uh, they think actually I got a response. I think it was Hayden who was on the show before uh, when I was talking about Brexit. He he replied on Twitter. Well, there is a way to Brexit. It's a hard Brexit. You just exit and you don't, you know, um, ask for anything. And I understand some people think that's doable. I think the majority of the world understands it's not doable. <laughs> but um, I mean, we'll talk about Brexit another time. This is a whole other bag of peanuts. Um, <laughs> What is your bag of peanuts in, in Germany? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe uh, to put it mildly, our government is mostly preoccupied with itself and slowly disintegrating with each day. So maybe that's a way to describe it, among other things. So what's I happening? Mean, is it? I thought there was a, a government that was formed. Yeah, of course, there's a government that was formed, but that's not a, a government that seems to be very stable. It's a bit like the US politics since Trump was elected. Everyone is just talking about personnel or scandals or a few meaningless topics, high profile topics, while not much actual policies are getting done, even if they are very pressing topics, which we should actually deal with right now. But uh, this, along with the uh, general feeling of disenchantment with politics, is a reason why the approval ratings of the parties within the governing coalitions are plummeting currently. And um, we have some, we have two upcoming state elections, one in Bavaria and one in Hessen. And everybody, everybody is worried about them, of course, because of that. And a lot of the press outlets are currently bending over backwards with stories and comments and columns that augur the downfall of Angela Merkel and her grand coalition. So just as a reminder for uh, all the listeners, Germany is a parliamentary democracy. So this means that the parties elected to parliament have to enter a coalition to get a majority and then form a government. So right now we have the so-called Grand Coalition, which is a coalition between the Social Democrats and the Conservative bloc. And from the very beginning, this alliance was a very difficult one and a marriage of convenience, you could say, entered into out of necessity and not because the partners actually wanted to. Um, and I've described this on the show before. So it took almost half a year after the election, which was almost to the day a year ago. It took almost half a year to get a new government, which is actually just the old one with some different personnel. Uh, and it took a half a year for them to come to terms with each other and form this alliance. And now roughly six months after that, there have already been numerous instances when this coalition was on the brink of collapse already. So in most cases, the culprit for this these incidents was Horst Seehofer, who is the leader of the smallest party within the coalition, the CSU, the Bavarian Conservative Party. And not keeping him in check is one of the things that a lot of her, of Angela Merkel's opponents and uh, parts of the press are construing as a weakness on Merkel's part. And uh, there was uh, a lot of uh, discussions about refugees and uh, some phony compromises, and they threatened to cancel uh, the whole coalition uh, and uh, 
that's mostly because in Bavaria there are the, the upcoming elections and they're very much concerned uh, about the outcome of this election. And one of the reasons everybody says Merkel is keeping her feet still and not just kicking him out, Herr Horstehofer, out of his office as the Minister of the Interior is that uh, she doesn't want to be accused of torpedoing her sister party because uh, or during her election campaign. And so, uh, if that wasn't bad enough, oh, one, okay, it's one not over. Thing, yeah, there was uh, actually a recent fuck up uh, in this government that even made the international news. It was the scandal surrounding the president of the Bundesamt für Verfassungsschutz, which is the federal office for the protection of the constitution. Uh, Hans Georg Maaßen is his name, and uh, I think the BBC called him Germany's spy chief, which is a little bit simplistic, but well, I guess it works if you want to be make it easy. And um, he was finally removed from office, but that didn't go over well and was a major fuck up. Sorry to use that word, but I don't know anything else how to, how to describe this. And also just yesterday, there was some surprising news that uh, there was a party intern election within the Conservative Party. And it was about the leadership of the Conservative Parliamentary Group and the current faction leader, uh, and who is also Merkel's man in parliament, so to speak, has lost to his opponents, which is rather unusual. Now the opposition and the press are having a field day with this, and they're interpreting this as another blow for Merkel and that she's weakening even further within her own party. And although... Um, if you look really closely and objectively at that, it's not just uh, like uh, a blow for Merkel or an attempt to teach her a lesson by her own party, but uh, also the man is called Volker Kauder and he has a lot of enemies within his party and he made them all by himself with his management style, if you want to call that. Mm. So it's not just a, a blow against her, but also against him. But in the whole picture, the overall picture, it's looking rather grim for her. So uh, this is all lingering. Uh, this is all fueling, fueling the lingering disenchantment with politics. We have all over the place. And uh, a lot of people are now, especially the press, are now calling for a stop of this tragedy and uh, call for new elections. But uh, that mm. is, for one, that's not really easy within our political system. It's very hard to get new elections by design. And uh, the other problem is that new elections will most likely not yield a coalition or better mm. results in terms for possible coalitions. And it might make things even worse, especially if you see the latest polls, because some of them have the fascists from the AFD, the so-called uh, alternative for Germany, uh, now are the second largest party in the recent polls and um, might not even be there might not be even enough votes for a grand coalition which is usually the fallback if nothing else works you usually have the grand coalition between the social democrats and the conservatives but the spd the social democrats are plummeting and are now like the third or fourth uh, largest only the fourth largest party in parliament if you believe those polls so Basically, everything is fucked up and no one really <laughs> knows what to do, but they try to muddle through and Merkel and the Social Democrats are now publicly, even publicly admitting that they are, need to focus on actual policies and not just looking at themselves all the time. Although Horst Seehofer, the culprit I mentioned, he didn't say anything about that. So yeah. I guess he'll just go on like that. <laughs> but... the, You know, another good title for this episode would be 
everything is fucked up, please donate to the Patreon of uh, the Fidesz Club. That would be very much appreciated. Uh, are we wrong, Matthias? And, you know, Alison, even though you're in the US, you're in the most Western, uh, I mean, European uh, state in the US. Although, actually, Alison, your state is the, what, the sixth biggest economy in the world. Uh, and, and you have economic success and everything seems to work. Although I've been in California and you have homeless people and working poor and it's very distressing from a European point of view. But you, you are, might see more homeless people because it's warm out, actually. I, I don't know what the statistics <laughs> are, but I've always wondered about that. Is I mean, if you can sleep on the beach... And it gets yeah, down to you know sixty five. I'm not sure you're going to be homeless. You're going to be outdoors a little more. Nah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, are we wrong? It seems like it's not. Maybe it's not working, or maybe it's exactly working the way it's supposed to. Maybe this this is the way the system handles major crises. But what specifically are you talking about is is working well or not working well? Everything. It's all it oh. all seems it all seems completely messed up. The governments, I mean, the the uh, nationalistic feelings are rising everywhere and I think everyone on on the uh uh Uh, obviously, everyone hates Nazis. Let's get that out of the way. Everyone, hopefully, who listens to this show dislikes the fact that white supremacists and Nazis are walking around in many European countries and throughout the world and, and feeling safe enough to show up again. Without assigning blame to anyone, I think we would agree, we would all agree that this is not a good thing. Um, and if you don't agree, then this is the one where the buck stops for me you don't you're not welcome listening to this show these these people who think yeah nazis should walk around no we're not going to listen to you but aside from that um some people are just saying we should not have uh, a international trade and have uh, open borders and this is not good for our country and it's a major major difference in not just opinion but thought of how you should deal with society it's a societal choice support for this npr and, podcast and the following message comes oh from really Hulu sorry with their new original drama <laughs> did i first i don't no i don't even know how i just caused that i don't know <laughs> let me throw my phone outside the door so it'll okay stop. you can't stop it <laughs> um sorry Did you but trigger I mean, some keyword like yeah, okay, maybe Google I called, or something? I called something, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a major, major opposing, these are major opposing views in the way, essentially what I'm trying to say is maybe the way things would work out a few decades ago would be war. You know, maybe we would go at war or civil unrest. Maybe the system is absorbing the shockwaves of these massive uh, political differences. So, Patrick, you know how you've talked about uh, not wanting people to go to 11 on every single topic. I think I think you're listening to the news that has the motivation to tell us everything horrible. And, mm. and to give a, a different analogy outside of, of politics is if you look at the rate of um, violent crimes that are reported on the news versus the rate of violent crimes – 
I mean, we are in right, the right, most yeah. peaceful time of all time in the United States. We have the lowest. Uh, I, I have to check whether that's still true this month. I mean, it was a few months ago. Uh, the the murder rate is way down. Violent crimes are way down. We're doing yeah. much better in a lot of ways. And there's, but that and there's is not less what poor, you hear on the news. Of course. And there's less poor and there's more education and the, the standards of living are rising everywhere. And there's less yeah. sickness. So the world this is, is not something... coming into an end. No, I agree. <laughs> I agree. And maybe that's the but important again, thing to but, we but it's always just... come back to the social sickness, as we call social media <laughs> sickness, because all of that is true. But look at Twitter, look at Facebook, look at Instagram, Instagram, not maybe, but all the social media and look who is out there shouting the exact opposite and people believe them. So so maybe what you're saying, let's get back to the story in Germany. Maybe this is just a turbulent time for the German government but maybe there's been others and it will resolve itself, hopefully. And it's not civil war. It's not uh, a massive, never before known. What you're saying, Alison, uh, is that essentially, essentially everything's fine. Or maybe not no, everything's no, fine. No, but... <laughs> not everything is fine because we have, we have literal Nazis walking down the street and uh, chanting anti-Semitic uh, uh, slogans and showing the Hitler salute and stuff like that. We have that in numerous cities now. Uh, the so-called alt-right and whatever you want to call those uh, far-right groups are using every excuse to stay uh, to. Uh, start protests and uh, force uh, and, and promote violence and we have a few weeks ago it's almost a month or two maybe uh, there were the um, incidents in Chemnitz that made world news where uh, okay okay were... okay you know what I feel like right now I feel like the cartoon that has an angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other uh, Alison you're the angel telling me actually things are fine <laughs> Matthias you're telling me the world is burning and I don't know no, who to believe it's not it's not, it's, of course, in the overall picture, that's not uh, that significant. I mean, we, we still have, we can still go out on the streets, uh, you still have a job, you still, and, and stuff like that. But for me, it's an alarming sign that these incidents are happening more frequently and more openly. And I, I mentioned before that uh, when we talked about Trump and the UN Assembly, that I feel like we're in the 1920s again, because that's, I have seen a lot of people making that reference because uh, between the world wars, there was the so-called Weimar Republic in Germany. And that was uh, when I was in school, that was uh, one of the topics because that it's, it's the precursor to national socialism. And you learn about that stuff in school. And I always thought, well, what was it like? What must have it have been like to live in those times when you see the uh, economic turmoil, the political instability, the rise of, rise of fascism and stuff like that? And I think maybe we are now in the 1920s of our uh, century because it's, it feels a bit, little bit like that. And I'm afraid that this might be the precursor to what is about to come. And At the I'm risk just of us going starting a, a whole new subject here, I, I I know exactly what you're feeling, Matthias. That uh, and and I've been thinking the same thing. And I just read a book recently that was about the that time period before the Nazi Party came in and how things progressed. And it did make me very depressed. But uh, uh, to get back to being the angel on Patrick's shoulder, 
there are also an enormous number of people protesting the horrible people. I mean, one of the one of the senators complained about the fact that he basically can't go anywhere without running into someone yelling resist at him, which is the is the other side. So, I mean, you are seeing women's marches. You are seeing people mobilized when some of these horrible things are happening, at least in the United States. So but both sides are rising up and, and uh, the the majority of humans are good and yeah, that's I true. Have to have faith and, uh, that. You also see that over here. Whenever there is a Nazi demonstration, there are always people standing up against them and trying to shout them down and show uh, publicly yeah. that this city yeah. is not controlled by Nazis. That's in, all in, true. The only thing, uh, just one, one more sentence. Um, it might be, uh, you might call me an alarmist if I uh, tell you about stuff that is happening here. But for me, for myself, I just have decided I would rather have someone tell me one day, see, it wasn't all that bad as you thought, instead of asking me one day, why didn't you stop it while you still have the chance? So it's just for me, I don't want to ignore this. I don't want to sugarcoat it. I just feel that I need to t uh, take action because if it really comes as bad as it might be, now is the chance to stop it, and I don't want to lose this chance, for just for me, myself. You know, I agree with the sentiment, but I also fear that when you go that route, you end up being the person who cries wolf every time something happens that I was talking about earlier. You know, it, it's a very difficult balance to find, because if you're, if you're not sure that something really bad is happening and you start screaming that it's really bad, the time when it's really bad, people are not going to listen to you. I just, for myself, I yeah, see yeah. it in my family. If I talk to people in my family, if I talk to people in the streets or uh, out here, there are so many people who actually sympathize with what the, fa I call them fascists, and I all, always get uh, angry uh, shout after that, but I see them as fascists, uh, if they, that they actually support these people, that they say, well, they are right, we should do it differently, we need a new leader or whatever. And uh, that's just, okay. for me, I feel it's in okay, my... that's really in my, scary. Yeah. So it, I, I mean, I don't know. I, for, my, for me personally, in my personal bubble, that's, I see this uh, kind of sentiment increasingly, and that's why I am worried might be overreaction that's true but i, you know I don't know i can't see in the future so yeah the the thing that that as long as we have the eu i think we're okay because we're so interdependent economically that we can't afford for things to get really bad and that is why the nationalism scares me when people say oh we can do everything on our own that's where you get national interests that trump others and that can be resolved by violence and i think that's where the danger lies in 15 years of course it's not going to happen now maybe even 20 30 years but the the economic interdependence and is is very important because of that reason and to be fair, I don't think we're at the point where we're losing that. I'm still hoping that in the next five to ten years, things are going to get better. Um, we'll see. You're worried in whatever deity you believe in's ear. It's Allison. It's Allison <laughs> who I believe in. She, she seems Good. to be my, the angel on my shoulder. And that's why I'm going to give you the last um, word on this episode as we... Uh, conclude. Alison, what is your conclusion? 
Well, I think it's, I will stand by what I said at the beginning, that this show helps you open your mind and makes you realize that things are different in different countries and different perspectives and that we're all learning from each other. And the more people we get to listen to the Phillies Club, maybe the better off we'll be. Oh, that's very nice. That's very sweet. And uh, I I did have a boss say to me once that that if I were on the Titanic, I would say something like, hey, look, good news. We're getting swimming lessons. (laughs) (laughs) You can't say that. Now now I'm doubting everything you said. Uh, You know what? No, what I'm not doubting is everyone should listen to the Phineas Club. So if you enjoy the show, go and tell people you know that they should listen to it as well. Sure, it's depressing. Sure, we all think we're going to die if if we listen to more than one episode but it's like eating your vegetables you feel like a better person afterwards i don't know you know what i know how to fix everything uh give me your money on patreon because you might feel worse but i will feel better because i'll be richer so go to patreon.com slash the club uh support the show financially and if you can't fix the world, at least, I was going to say at least fix me, but I'm really not broken. I'm quite uh, happy <laughs> currently, but you can always do with a little bit more money. So uh, support the show and make it show that it's worth something for you. You can do that if you want to. Uh, of course, I appreciate the, uh, su- the the support of my patrons immensely. And I'm very glad that you, <laughs> you gals and guys think that the show is worth a little bit of your hard-earned cash. So thanks very much to the patrons who allow this show to exist. Um, Allison, where can people find you if they want a little bit more of optimis- uh, optimism in their life? Well, I don't talk about this kind of thing normally on podcasts. I'm a tech podcaster. I do the No Silicast podcast, a technology geek podcast with an ever so slight Apple bias. You can find that over at podfeet.com and along with two other podcasts, I do all geeky all the time. No politics. Uh, we don't even say bad words. So it's a it's a it's a happy place. <laughs> Nobody ever dies on the tech shows. Uh, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter at podfeet. Excellent. Matthias, what about you? If they want some alarmist shouting that the world is ending and that the Nazis are coming. Thank you. I should write that in my bio. That's <laughs> really a great description. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. The handle is at Matzekult, which will also be in the show notes. But these days I spend way more time on Mastodon, which uh, seems like uh, way better for actual conversation. Conversation. So if you want to get in touch with me there, you can find me under the same handle on the instant chaos.social, or you can find a link for that as a pinned tweet on my Twitter profile. I have a Mastodon account. I never use it, though. Can't remember which instance I'm on. I can't Uh, figure it out. (laughs) uh, It's basically, Mastodon is interesting. It's essentially uh, syndicated Twitter. So anyone can open a um, an, a, a, an instance of uh, the thing. It's like email. Think of it like email. Uh, anyone can have an email server. You send an email to an address. Well, here it's kind of the same thing. And uh, you all should of the do instances. A tech podcast work. about that. <laughs> Maybe we should explain how it works. The problem yeah, is, I was just writing myself a note. Get Matthias on the show to talk about Mastodon. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that would work. All right. Well, for me, it's not Patrick on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And the show is available at frenchspin.com. If you want to comment on what we said, uh, if you have some bright lights, hopefully uh, you can come and share them with us. 
maybe you are not so optimistic and you want to let us know what you think as well, that's perfectly okay. You can do that at frenchspin.com. As I mentioned, you can um, you can also support the show at uh, patreon.com slash Club. The link is also in the show notes, so you can go uh, to it from there. And I think that's going to be it. We might have another special uh, next month, so I'm not going to spoil it, but it should be interesting. The last special we did was about being a father. It was called Tales of, Tales of Fatherhood, and I tell you all about my experiences as the father of a, a eight-month-old baby now, but we go over the... Um, pregnancy, the actual delivery, how we uh, uh, lived through it, how we felt. Uh, uh, three fathers talking about this. And I think it was a, a pretty fun, interesting experience. And you might learn a thing of, or two that people don't tell you uh, before you become a, a, a dad or a mom. And uh, it's good to know. So go check that out as well. It's the, just the previous episode. And we'll be back in a few weeks or a month with a new episode and hopefully uh, the world won't have ended before then. We'll talk to you at that point. Bye.